0: Us. That being said, uh, we'll be in the book of John chapter 8 today if you're following along in your Bible. Uh, if not, that's okay. It's on the screen. Um, but we'll be looking at verses 12 through 20, although kind of the focal of focus of our sermon today will be on verses 12 and 13 um, in particular, um, or verse 12. But it says, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Let's pray. Uh, God, we're thankful for this day and for just the, the, the time we have spent singing songs of praise and then also um, that we're about to spend studying your word. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would bring us understanding and wisdom That comes from uh, your spirit moving in us. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, most of us remember; it'd be hard to forget that earlier this year. Now, I just want to say that in the context of just like processing the year, 2021 has been both long and short, all at the same time. Uh, It's it's moved by very quickly, and yet uh, it it, uh, you know a lot has happened. But earlier in the year, most of us remember that Houston and Texas really got hit with this Arctic freeze blast type thing. Uh, All I know is that it was uh, epically cold. Hadn't been this cold in Houston since 1989. Uh, We saw incredible amounts of snow. um, And what is most notable uh, was for a lot of reasons, ERCOT, which is responsible for managing the energy resources of Texas, uh, uh, it got colder than maybe what we thought and um, uh, and all kinds of things happened. I mean, we can jump into the politics of that uh, all we can. But at the end of the day, what ended up happening is that we didn't have power. That's really what it was. All throughout the state of Texas, people were without power while it's freezing cold. And what became really interesting is you had people uh, who had power. The people that did have power uh, were trying to like save people who didn't have power. uh, Some of you uh, can uh, appreciate that. Um, And it was very interesting. So I remember in particular uh, when we didn't have power, when we started off our power, well initially we had power. We were some of the fortunate people where we only lost power for like a little bit, like the first day when it was cute and our kids were playing in the snow, but then the power came back on like 45 minutes later. So we're good to go. Um, uh, and so uh, our kids are pulling the snow. We're living our best life, having the time of our life. Um, and then eventually our neighborhood lost power because um, the, I guess we didn't lose power significantly because the portion of our neighborhood that we lived in uh, was tied into the pow- same power grid that the constable station right around the corner was. And so uh, we were good. But then at some point they decided that since we had had power while most people were freezing, that they were gonna just cycle our power off. It was a intentional cycle. And then they just left it off for like a day and a half. Uh, and so uh, we, we we lose power. Now what became interesting and the whole reason why I got onto all this is because it's in the mid- it's 9.30 at night Um, and we're into this whole thing and the power turns off and immediately the place is pitch black. Um, And what naturally happens though, uh, once the lights go out is what? Is you grab flashlights, uh, whether they're on your phone or the manual ones that you have, the actual flashlights, some combination of the two, you turn on candles and all that kind of stuff and what ultimately happens is that you turn on the lights so that you can see what's there and not just see what's there but also know what not to run into like that's that's the reason why you have the light and it was wild to see how difficult it is even in a place that's familiar like your house to navigate without lights on it's the reason why every single night you turn off the lights but if you need to get up in the middle of the night you turn the lights on because even if you've been in the place over and over and over again having light allows you to see what's around you and also to figure out what to avoid and where to go that that's why we have light and when we talk here about Jesus in this particular I am statement where he says I am the light of the world all of this can be summed up in one thing so our main idea today is this is that you cannot assess or plan in darkness like, that's, that's what it is. You cannot assess or plan in darkness. Without light, you cannot assess the world around you, nor can you plan accordingly. And when Jesus is talking here, and he says, I am the, the light of the world, he, he is talking about, and we'll get into this, but he's talking about this illumination that he brings to life and the world that allows us to assess our brokenness and his goodness and the way to go look there's a lot of darkness in the world right now if you turn on the news I think what you see is an incredible amount of darkness I mean, we've seen, we talk about everything that happened this year. We see riots in, the DC, in Washington, D.C. We've seen riots uh, when it pertains to police brutality. Uh, we've seen unrest and uneasiness as we're waiting on the results of the Derek Chauvin, uh, uh, t- Officer Chauvin trial. Uh, we've, we've seen unrest in the Middle East, and Afghanistan. We've seen unrest. With the pandemic, we've seen unrest as our nation is being torn apart at the seams to, to vaccine or not to vaccine, to mask or not to mask. You know, we've seen unrest in elections around the world. We've seen unrest with protests and anger, and there is ultimately a lot of darkness in the world. And the question then becomes for us, how are we properly able to assess everything that's going on in the world as well as plan and know which way to go? Up, down, left, right, pause, run, walk. Like how are we supposed to know those things? And it comes from Jesus being the light of the world. Now, just to go back and make sure that we all have full context, these I am statements are particularly important because when Jesus says I am, he is invoking the name of God that's used in Exodus chapter 3. I've got this verse, uh, I believe, still on uh, Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. I believe there's a slide for this. Uh, somewhere in there Uh, but there we go so in exodus chapter 3 verses 13 and 14 we covered this last week but it says then moses said to god if i come to the people of israel and say to them the god of your fathers has sent me to you and they ask me what is his name what shall i say to them god said to moses i am who i am and he said say this to the people of israel i am has sent me to you so when jesus makes these statements uh, these seven I am statements that are recorded in the book of John. He's invoking the same uh, uh, vocabulary, which is, by the way, why this was so controversial. And the culmination of these sta- statements uh, were catal- was the catalyst, or one of the main catalysts, for why Jesus was ultimately killed. Um, that when he said I am, he's saying I am the one, the one who always been, who has always been, and always will be. That's my name, the name of God. Uh, I am God. He's making these statements that say that he is ultimately divine. And this is why we, we talked about this last week. This is why, though, it becomes important for us to understand that when we are trying to understand who Jesus is, we need to start by understanding who Jesus believed that he was. And so when we approach Jesus with some, uh, our, our understanding of Jesus, that doesn't account for who he said he was. He didn't just say he was a good teacher. He didn't just say that he was a prophet. He didn't just say that he was uh, or something else. What he said is that I am God. Me and God, the Father, are one. And so we jump into this here. Uh, this, this morning, and, and, and it's important for us then uh, to have that as the foundational understanding as we approach this, so Jesus then says in, 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 uh, in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world, and so believe it or not, I only have two points this morning, two relatively quick points, and then, a, and then an assessment on the back end. But we're going to be talking about the light of Christ. So first of all is this, the light of Christ can't be limited or contained. The light of Christ cannot be limited or contained. In verse 12, we see this. It says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the light of of the world. And this light that he's talking about or his status as being the light of the world is not something that's uh, subjective to him or conditional. It's something that is true. Whether you agree with it or not, he is the light of the world. And that's the thing about truth. Truth doesn't care whether or not you believe in it or not, it is true. I ran into this problem as a kid, and I was pre- pre- re- kinda nervous yesterday that one of my kids was going to do the same thing that I did. See, I grew up on uh, those, uh, uh, those you know, cartoons that really they don't make like this anymore. Looney Tunes, Tom and Jerry, all that kind of stuff. Now, why do I say that? It's because those were incredibly violent cartoons uh where you know they'd smack each other in the face with a pan or you know they'd run into uh an iron and their face would be shaped like an iron they'd do all kinds of things and you know like if you hit somebody with a with a you know if you hit somebody with a with a brick their face would be shaped like a brick uh if you uh if if somebody ran off a cliff then they would just kind of run and they'd be okay until they noticed and then they would drop and fall and I actually thought that that was physics you know not that I knew the word physics but I thought that's the way that the world actually worked and so when I was I don't know three or four years old I remember I was coloring one day and I thought to myself like I love coloring but I hate the fact that um that that like I always have to like grab colors from the box now you gotta, you know, take things back. In particular, at that time I was using crayons and they used to have, I don't even know if they still do this, but Crayola used to have a box of 64 crayons, but what made that box of 64 so important was that it came with a sharpener in the back of the box that you would use to sharpen your crayons. Now, I'm not gonna lie, we never had all 64, Uh, so what I had to do was get other little sharpeners and use them on my crayons. And I always used to be like, man, I wish I had one of those little sharpeners. So what I did one day is I was coloring with like a blue crayon or whatever it was. And I was like, man, you know, like i will to sharpen this thing. And then I had this this idea, this light went off in my brain, which basically said like, what if I didn't actually have to sharpen crayons or go get crayons? But what if I could just use my fingers to color? In the cartoons that I watched, like if somebody were to put their finger in a pencil sharpener, then it would sharpen like a pencil and then they'd start to do it. And I was like, this is a no brainer. Once again, I'm like three or four years old. And so I sure enough took my pinky and I shoved it inside of a little pencil sharpener. And then, you know, me being a kid, I'm like gung-ho and overzealous with like, so I didn't like ease my way into this. I was excited. So I like took one hard turn kah! and you know, like, like tried to sharpen my hand. I know like your body cringes thinking about this. And sure enough, like 3 fourths of my pinky nail uh, uh, come off, but it's like in the sharpener. Now, obviously the pain sets in and I'm like, oh my goodness, crying my immediate thought is to try to pull my pinky out. I realized very quickly that's a mistake because three-fourths of my pinky nail uh, is, and it, it, I went like two-thirds of the way across. So there's still like a third of my nail attached. And I'm like, this hurts, it's blood everywhere. I don't even know if my mom in, uh, remembers this. Uh, I'm sure my grandma was there and they come and sure enough they have to like unwind my pinky nail from inside the pencil sharpener and I'm crying. Here's the thing though, as I eventually got bandaged up and all that kind of stuff, I remember sitting there thinking afterwards, like, what happened? Like, my my finger's supposed to be a pinky or my, or my finger's supposed to be a pencil. And, and so like, why is my finger not a pencil? And it, the reality is, is that that's not the way that the world works. Even though I wanted it to be true, that's not the way that the world works. And, and so there, there's ultimately like, the greatest of intentions didn't lead to like, actual truth being lived out in a way that was not uh... uh... uh, detrimental to me and so what what i'm trying to say is when jesus says that he's the light of the world it doesn't really matter whether or not the people listening to him believe him or not he is the light of the world he's making a truth statement that is that that about himself and ultimately, because he's the light of the world, that means that his light is not restricted or conditional. When something is true, it's not contingent upon your acknowledgement of it in, in, in order to verify its veracity. That ultimately, Jesus is the light of the world. That is true. And, and that means ultimately that his light lights up the world and illuminates what's in the dark. His light illuminates what's in the dark. And so what Jesus ultimately says is that because I am that I am, then I am the light of the world. Because I am the one who was and is and is to come, because I am the one who transcends the material world, because I am the one who transcends everything that you see, because I am the one that created all things, I am then the light of the world. And so, the light of God cannot, through Jesus Christ, cannot be contained. And it has no boundaries. I want you to understand this. The implications of Jesus as the light of the world. It's the reason why, no matter who we are or where we come from or what our story is, Jesus is is the answer and able to heal brokenness. It's the reason why no matter how much you have sinned and the diversity of sin that exists in any room at one time, the blood of Jesus is able to cover those sins because his light has no boundaries. It cannot be contained. I want you to think about that the light of Jesus is able to come to the murderer and shine into that darkness the light of Jesus is able to go to the marriage that's on the rocks and shine into the darkness the light of Jesus is able to come to the person who's struggling with addiction and shine light into the darkness the light of Jesus is able to go to the person whose relationships are strained and shine the light into the darkness. The light of Jesus cannot be contained. It has no boundaries. It is limitless. It is all-encompassing. It continues to shine and go forth. So Jesus says, I am the light of the world. If Jesus is the one Who created everything that he ultimately is the focal point of creation. And his light shines and transcends and goes beyond all borders. So that's the first thing. The second thing about the light of Christ isn't just that it can't be limited or contained, the second thing is that the light of Christ shows us God's solid ground. The the light of Christ shows us God's solid ground. Once again, in verse 12, it says again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever follows me. This is interesting because the second half of what Jesus says as he unpacks this I am statement of his is so critical and pivotal but it's so often what we miss in the midst of all of this the light isn't simply a spectacle meant to be looked at but it's meant to be followed because he says whoever follows me him being the light will not walk in darkness that is to say that it is implied that there is a life that is meant to be lived after encountering the light the light isn't meant simply to be looked at. Like I, I, I'm, I'm all about it. Every year, as a family. Uh, uh, around Christmas time, we we go and we look at Christmas lights. It's a pretty common thing. Now there are a couple neighborhoods that we specifically like. We always got to come and do those. If uh, if you're a Houstonian, at some point in time, uh, you got to make your way to River Oaks and go look at the lights. Right? I mean, like it's the Mansions. If you're not from Houston or you're listening to this when it's all said and done on Spotify or, or something like that, it's like like r- r- River Oaks is like the bougiest of the bougie in Houston. Uh, you know, gated community, uh gated communities and uh the the River Oaks Country Club, all that kind of stuff. Uh but it's a big deal every year. All the all these giant mansions put these lights up, and there's at least one of those houses uh, where they always have like a Santa Claus out every single night, and they do like the fake snow on their giant lawn, and you can take pictures, and it, it's absolutely crazy. They, you know, like you're just just imagine mansions bedecked in Christmas lights, but you can actually walk up to the pro, to you know like their lawns and take pictures with them. Uh, it's great. There are horse carriage rides, all that kind of stuff. So we're always doing those things. Now, the great part about the lights, one of my favorite uh, uh, memories um, uh, uh, when we we're looking at lights has to do with our kids. We went, we looked at lights, and it was right around the time Aria was maybe two ish and Jaden is three and a half ish. And there's this, I, I, I saved this reel on my phone. I almost played it for you guys uh, today, but uh, that, we didn't need to do all that. But uh, Aria's like doing a dance and Jaden's like, got his hands around her, like, uh, like doing like, making it look like, he's, like she's a puppet or maybe he's got like powers or something like that. And then they do like, there's another one where they're like twirling and dancing. And so, you know, like they've got these, these reels and it's really great. Awesome, pretty, look at the lights, great memory. We get hot cocoa and Grace ends up getting some coffee, caffeinated thing because she's into coffee, I'm not. And, and we do this great thing and, and it's awesome. I love those pictures. They're great pictures. But I need us to understand this, is that the light that Jesus brings isn't like Christmas lights that comes out seasonally and is meant to simply be stared at. But this is not just, it's a brilliant light, but it's a functional light. And he says that whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. And this is why faith in Christ is about more than just what we do on Sunday. It's about what you do when you leave the gathering of people. That's, what, I mean, like, that's, that's what's pivotal. Faith in Christ and the, is not meant to just be something that's experienced on Sunday mornings when we sing some songs, maybe take communion, fellowship with each other, and then we get to leave an hour and a half later, whatever it is. I say an hour and a half later. When I was a worship pastor in the black church, uh, it was more like two hours. Um, And then if it was first Sunday when we took communion, it was like three hours. Um, And you know that just kind of was what it was. Now, you know, you guys should be grateful. Our our services last like an hour and ten. And so you know, like we're we're keeping it short. Could be a lot longer. Could tack a whole other hour on. Trust me, I could talk. I could find things to say. But I say all this to say. Um, is that it's not meant to just be. It wouldn't matter how long we did our corporate worship gathering on Sundays, like, 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 like we could be here for six hours, but it still wouldn't change the fact. That at the end of the day, it's not about who you are and what you do during this time, but there is actually an implied faith that's meant to be lived out. And when we're walking out in this world, there's incredible darkness. There's all kinds of decisions and difficulties and things that need to be uh, uh, assessed. And the light of Jesus Christ allows us the ability to see what's in the darkness but also know where to go, what to do, and how to respond. And so when we put our faith in Jesus, the light of Christ lights the way for us to know what to do. Where's the solid ground? Where it says in that old psalm, all, all old song, all other ground is sinking sand. And so the light of Jesus shows us the solid ground. It shows us where we're supposed to go, where our firm and sure footing will be. On our five-year anniversary, Grace and I, um, we, did, we had uh, some money but not a lot of money. And so we decided that we were going to go on a vacation and we were going to fly wherever based on the amount of money we had on our bank account uh to spare uh whatever wherever we as the furthest destination we could get to uh on spirit and so uh spirit airlines and so we ended up in denver neither of us had ever been there before we're like hey let's go to colorado and go hang out and do all this kind of stuff so we get to denver and uh uh you know some people are I'm I'm be honest with you some people when it comes to being cold they're like you know, uh, a dry cold or a dry heat is better. And let me just say, cold is cold. Um, the dry cold is deceptive because, because without the humidity, you don't realize how cold it is until you get out there and then you're like halfway walking down the street and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna die. Um, so I don't like that. But I say that to say, it's cold, we're doing our thing. It snowed at one point while we were out there, I think. It was raining. Um, anyway, it was cold. But at some point in time, we decided to drive a couple hours outside of Denver and we went to the Garden of the Gods. And we are uh, hiking up in the mountains and doing our whole thing. And, and it was crazy. You're seeing all these things and they are uh, 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 you know, paths and things like that. But what became important as you're hiking is that there are places, for like trails for you to walk so that you can have sure footing And not slip and fall off the side of the mountain or whatever it is. Like, that would just be uh, terrible. Like, Like, you have to be able to see. Now, we were there during broad daylight, so the sun was doing what it had to do. But, I mean, nobody could, like, walk through the garden of the gods without light. Like, either you need the sun shining bright. Or if it's night, you need all kinds of light and gear to help you know where to go. And in the same way, Jesus is the light that allows us to know where firm footing is and how to navigate the challenges of life. There is an incredible amount of darkness, fine. But there's also an incredible amount of sinking sand that leads to destruction. And the question then becomes, how do we respond to the challenges that we face as a church? You no, know, we listed some of these things out, but I mean, I, I literally know people who are, uh, who, are, who are losing their minds one way or another with this pandemic. Like, how do we respond in this situation? How, how do we know how to navigate when we see police brutality how do we know what to do and where to go when we see issues of racism and prejudice what is our response when we see corruption in our political leaders what is our response when you literally in the matter of seconds have access to project every last one of your thoughts to the world via your cell phone or to read other people's thoughts via your cell phone how are we to respond in the midst of all of life's challenges when you're being tempted to to be unfaithful in a marriage or 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 the the middle of your or your marriage or relationships are at their breaking point like how do you know what to do and where to go it is the light of Christ that gives gives us sure footing and the promise that jesus ultimately makes is that if he is the light of christ whoever follows him will not walk in darkness but instead will have the light of life like the promise that jesus gives us is that when you follow him when you put your faith in him his light will illuminate to us what we're supposed to do and where we're supposed to go That's what his truth brings. It brings clarity. There's a promise that Jesus makes. Notice the promise that Jesus makes. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But he doesn't say whoever follows me will no longer have to deal with with pain and suffering sickness difficulty trials tribulations that's not the promise instead the promise that he makes is that whoever follows him will not walk in darkness but instead will have the light of life faith in christ does not mean that we don't have problems and difficulties, struggles that we don't face challenges day by day that we're unaffected by the brokenness that happens in uh, the world. What it means, though, is that Jesus illuminates the solid ground. Let me close by saying this. Years ago, um, I remember going to Uh, a haunted house. It was... I was in middle school, it was a friend's birthday, by haunted house, I don't mean like an actual house that was haunted, I mean like one of those Halloween-esque things. Uh, A friend of mine, his birthday was in October, he decided that he wanted to take a group of us to a uh, haunted house, we go to this haunted house. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I don't often do haunted houses, Um, and what made it even worse is that the worst case scenario for me of what the haunted house would be about was uh, clowns. The theme was clowns. And I am terrified of clowns. And so uh, I remember we're walking through this haunted house and they're not supposed to touch you, but one of those guys touched me. I know he did because I was walking with my group of friends and somebody was tapping me on the shoulder and I thought it was my buddy, uh, AJ or Patrick. And I was like, hey man, leave me alone, bro. Leave me alone. And then he was like, hey, 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 look at me. And I like, what? And there was a clown right there. I was like, man, you're not supposed to touch me. I almost punched him in the face. But the whole point is that the clown was there. Um, and clowns were doing all kinds of things everywhere, uh, evil clowns doing all kinds of things. Now, I remember we got to this point, uh, towards the end of this, uh, maze of a haunted house, um, where there was a room. Now, we had just come into, uh, an operating room where clowns were doing crazy things. Um, and I walk into this last room. I was like second or third in the group of like 10 or 12 of us that were walking through this thing. And I remember my brother is there, and there's another guy, uh, uh, one a guy that was one of our friends, Patrick. And so they, they go first uh, into this room, and I'm third. And I, I, I remember I crawled from the room that we were in, the clown operating room, into this room. And there's this giant room, and there's a light that's just strobing. And, but it wasn't like a fast strobe. So, you know, like, it would flash, and then pitch black, then flash, and then pitch black, so you could like, You know, you'd see somebody on the side of the room and then, like, by the time the lights came back on, like, they'd be a lot closer. It was, you know, like, pure horror movie type stuff. And so I remember we're doing this whole thing. Now, when I walked in, when I crawled into the room, uh, I remember seeing my brother um, and basically in this giant room, it was also, the ground was, like, slightly tilted and then there were all these doors and it had a question mark. Um, and then each one of them said exit so it's like exit 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 uh and i remember my brother uh opened one of the doors and there were some clowns in there and he was like that's not it and he slams the door shut and so i remember like like I now that I know what this game is, I was like, I don't have time for this. I'm overwhelmed. I'm kind of having a panic attack. And so I walked into the corner of the room and crawled up and curled up into a ball, like wrapped my arms around my leg, and I'm just rocking forward. I'm like, just somebody pick the right door. Somebody pick the right door. What's the exit? What's the exit? And it was like four guesses later that they finally guessed the right exit. And so I just remember um, all of that craziness. In life, there are a lot of options like a lot of options. And it often feels like we're trapped in this clown room of doors. Now if I open this one, no. This one, no. This one, no. This one, maybe. But this is what I need for you to understand. When Jesus says that he's the light of the world, he's not His will is not that you would be out there trying to make decisions on your own. It's not just that Jesus is the light of the world, but the promise is that if you follow Him, you will have the light of life, means He's not leaving you to figure it out. He's going before you and showing you the way. And that ultimately is why our mission statement is our mission statement. The mission statement for City West Church is lighting the way for diverse people to find unity in Christ. Jesus shows us the way. And our calling is to go and show people the light of Christ who goes before them and fights their battles and shows them the solid ground. Let's pray.